Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. He's Pat, I'm Rajan, and we're recording this again only a few hours after the most recent game played by the Washington football team. Only this time, sadly, it's on the heels of a 20-15 to 15 loss to the Seattle Seahawks, snapping Washington's four-game winning streak. Now, kind of walking away from this game, it's safe to say that it comes with a lot of mixed emotions because of the highs and the lows that we saw during the course of the game, the performances by some of the very familiar names on this team who have been standout players for so long this season and especially during the course of the four-game winning streak. And then, of course, there was the new but all-too-familiar name under center, which Of course, we're going to discuss extensively for obvious, obvious reasons, but until we get to that point, or as we get to that point, I should say, um, Pat, I'll turn things over to you with the caveat that hopefully your wife didn't give you too much of the business, too much this uh, over the past few hours. For those who aren't aware, Pat's wife is a Seattle native, and thus her entire family, including herself, are huge fans of the Seahawks. But with those few hours under your belt, I'm curious to see how you're feeling at the moment. Yeah, uh, I've been joking all week that it's a loser leaves town game. Uh, and my wife, as soon as she found out that Haskins was starting, started saying loser leaves town, which was not, um, you know, you can put two and two together. Um, you know, it, it sucks. I, I do have to cook the rest of the week. Uh, that was our bet. Uh, so I will be doing all the cooking. Uh, which Macaroni is okay. and cheese. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that, that's okay. I do most of the cooking anyway. So it was it kind of a, I don't I really, I didn't gain to win anything or gain anything and didn't really lose anything either. Um, uh, and she knew it care- I cared more about it than she did. But she was rocking a Cortez Kennedy jersey, so respect. Um, look, going into this game, I, I, my in-laws, of course, were all texting me this morning being like, are you going to talk to us? And my response to them was like, the more boring we can make this game, <laughs> the better it is for uh, the football team. Uh, uh, and all things considered, it was a fairly boring football game. At least I thought it was kind of boring. I mean, you throw the ball 55 times and don't even break 300 yards. Like, talk about dink and dunk here. Um, but I, I didn't really expect to win today. Once Haskins was in, I was really, really worried about our linebackers coming into this game. And that like shown really bright in this game. Like we really missed Holcomb. We really missed KPL. Um, and you know, Russell did what he does. He's elusive in the pocket. And when he needed to make a play, Russell made those plays, right? Third down threw a strike to the tight end for a touchdown, which was actually kind of a sick pass. Um, you know, he had that 50 yard run. Um, it sucks to lose this game because ultimately if we had won, like we're not coasting into the playoffs, but like we're in amazing shape. Right. Uh, and we had the ball at the 23 yard line at the two minute warning with a chance to ultimately upset a team that is better than us. So if you're looking for moral victories, team was down 17 points in the fourth quarter and we had a chance to win. If you're a Redskins fan who's, or excuse me, a football team fan who's now seen more losing seasons than fucking I could account, right? And I'm 32. I think this is like our 28th losing season of my life or something ridiculous or stupid. So um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, it was a good game, but kind of boring. I'm kind of pissed at Scott Turner again for the second consecutive week. Uh, but all in all, you know, we lost to a better team. They made less mistakes than we did, and that's what it comes down to. You make extra points, you win games. You you win a turnover battle, you win games. Uh, literally a game of little things, and they did 
uh, they made less mistakes than we did. That's what it came down to, at least in my, my mind. There are so many little notes that you can riff on from all the stuff you just said, all of which is accurate. Um, the thing that kind of stuck out to me more than anything else is that, first and foremost, we almost overcame the 20 to 3 deficit entering the fourth quarter which for the first time since 1990. And if memory serves me correctly, that was the Jeff Rutledge game um, where like, I think it went Rippon and Stan Humphreys both were out and Jeff Rutledge came in to over to help us beat the lions in that game. So that that's, that's going way, 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 way back again, literally 30 years. Um, But to more salient matters, you know, this game in many cases follow the familiar script. If you've seen this team over the last X number of weeks, right? Like, um, for by and large, we go down in the first half and we rally in the second half. The third quarter is the, ter- the turning point of the game. Um, and we just kind of, we make these amazing second half adjustments or I don't know if they're adjustments or if the, I think there's a large extent where the opponents we play kind of start to go in cruise control. They're like, all right, we got this, like, let's just play not to lose. And we capitalize on that. Like almost you say that we take the throw the game plan out the window and then we start playing like on fast forward to kind of overcome this massive deficit and all of a sudden everything comes together. Now the question becomes, why can't we always play like that? And I just don't know whether it's a case of human emotions or just, you know, bad game planning in general to your point about Scott Turner, but to take a step back from that along the same vein. It's interesting because the first half, the first quarter especially, but for a large portion of the first half, it was so imbalanced in terms of the Seahawks' favor, right? And yet for almost the entirety of it, we were down only 6 nothing, And there was a large portion of the half where if we just took, you know, scored a touchdown, we would have been ahead despite the fact that for every other statistical measure, Seattle was outperforming us by a drastic margin. Right now, obviously that changed. I think with that's with the first touchdown, the to, the the pass you mentioned to Jacob Hollister. It was, um, pass. It was a great pass. It was an absolute rocket. Absolute bullet. Yeah. Um, look, there's so many other things. I, I want to touch on the fact. Um, in this kind of segues back to or like dovetails back into the idea of teams kind of letting off the gas pedal or something like that. Um, it shouldn't be any surprise that Seattle came out and tried to stuff the ball down our throat with the running game very early on. Um, you know, they had the duo of Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde, whom we talked about in our last podcast. Um, Carson finished with 15 carries for 63 yards. Again, I found it rather ironic that they, I think they went away from him too fast. Um, Hyde had the 50 yard run. I, I can't remember they finished with some gaudy number because Russell's 38 yard scramble that we talked about, like, or some, whatever the number was in that long scramble, you know, padded their stats a little bit, but I think once they went away from that, it almost led us back in the game. And if you really sit and look at it, like they showed that stat about the fact that we were number one in the NFL over the last four games. And I think one of the dirty reasons for that is other teams just stopped running the football. Dallas stopped running the football. San Francisco stopped running the football. Pittsburgh never tried to run the football. And yeah, you know, Pittsburgh, since, I mean, Pittsburgh had like 14 yards rushing. Or something. Since I mean, Pittsburgh didn't even try. I mean, if you really go back and watch that game, they didn't try. And, great. If you think you just want to pass all over us, that's wonderful. Even though they did by and large, you know, in the first half, they did a good job, second half, whatever, but that's water under the bridge. And then uh, Cincinnati just didn't really have the horses with Joe Mixon out. Right. But like nobody really tried to run the, the football and the more and more like Carson and Hyde, less so Hyde, but more so Carson, they were delivering gashing body shots every time they ran the ball. And it was just one of those things where it's like four, six, seven, eleven 11 yards every time they touched the ball. And then they just kind of went away from it. And I'm like, that's classic Ryan Schottenheimer, like do the thing that's not working and do it repeatedly, but good for us. Um, 
you know, the, the Wilson scramble to, to go back to that. That was a, that, that was a big chunk play, obviously that that was a, a little bit of a gut punch play as well. Um, it was awesome to see Chase Young flying down the screen like a bat out of hell and like it was funny watching John Bostick try to chase Russell Wilson and like Chase Young just blur right past him um that was enjoyable but on the other side of it watching Jimmy Moreland get absolutely shook in the open field was not um as enjoyable. yeah I, he must have slipped or something because he did slip yeah dead. he definitely slipped and um it was interesting He's a pretty good open field tackler and he all are different the picture Cam Curl has been one of our best open open field uh, tacklers for a while. He missed Wilson in the pocket. Um, Wilson kind of, if I'm thinking of the right play, if he Wilson ran off to the to right, Sweat yeah. and Young chased or, or he they were both on the same side of the formation. If you go back and watch it, they actually lined them up right next to each other. And then I think it was whoever the idiot was cut. Doing the uh, Jonathan Vilma was talking about the fact that how they lost contain and Wilson just broke on the pocket because the two most you know ferocious defenders that we have were already ten yards up the field and kind of washed out. Um, but to kind of put put a pin on all of that, I think the defense, especially once they stopped running the football, did a really really good job of stopping Wilson, particularly in the second half. One thing that I did want to point out, <coughs> excuse me, is that after the high touchdown on the opening yes. drive. Of the um, Cleveland just scored of the second half, uh, Jarvis Landry on my fantasy team. Um, too. He, uh, after the 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 high touchdown, three and out, three and out, interception, and three and out. Those were Seattle's drives. And again, you know, our team has played tremendously in the second half of the year, and um, and that continued. Unfortunately, it was just too little, too late. I have a theory. A, a little this theory just came as you were talking. Um, about the idea of like maybe teams just let up the gas and or versus like do we make adjustments in the second half like why are we such a better second half team and it goes into my both feet down touchdown um like been, is, is impeccable He's, that, that i was, was I, I was pretty critical of scott turner last week um i didn't think he called a very good game this week either and my theory is this the NFL, the way it's designed, it's a passing league. It's an offensive league, right? And we're fortunate enough to have, I still believe, a Super Bowl caliber defense. The problem is the beginning of the game, the first 15 plays are so scripted and yes. so well-practiced now that, like, if you don't score on your opening drive, you're immediately behind the eight ball, right? We haven't had we, – we got to the one-yard line against Dallas with our opening drive and got stops on fourth and goal. We haven't scored a single point on our opening drive. Yep. The Seahawks – uh, they're the second best. They got a field goal, whatever they are, but they got a field yeah. goal in their opening drive, and then they got a field goal again. And my point is, we're finding we're we're behind every game because we can't like we're three and out in our first drives all the time, all the time. Um, and then you and then you're playing like I will never forget week one against the Seahawks or uh, excuse me the Eagles. Wentz went down like Carson Wentz, who's been awful. Went down the field, and I thought we were going to lose that game by 50 points mm -hmm. because of how easy it was for them to walk down the field to score. Same with the Rams. Like, it's happened multiple times to us. Um, and so I'm not 100% sure it's like the players aren't ready to play. I just think the scheme sucks. Like, at this point, Turner has to figure out what to do with this first drive because we are behind the eight ball every single game, especially in games like today when we uh, received the ball. Right. So the, the Seahawks stopped us. They get the ball at half. We're already way behind. Right. I would love to know what the swing of like the actual swing of percentages there. 
winning wise, because it's to our advantage to kick golf first. So the offense knows what they're kind of getting into when they're taking the ball. Um, that I just thought of that while you were talking, but I, that has to have something to do with it because our opening scripts are bad. It's almost like when we're not scripting or we're ad-libbing is when everything wakes up, right? Like, yeah. and this could and be that's when Harris says Turner got into a flow. It's like, why are we in the flow to start the game? That's he has all week to figure that out. It's it's it, whether it's Haskins today, whether it was Smith over the last few weeks. I mean, they're played like I believe it was against Cincinnati, and um, to a, I think it was a large extent even against San Francisco. Like they look like dog shit to start the game, right? And then all of a sudden, I think whether it's momentum switch because of a turnover, but more particularly, they just kind of you know say fuck it, we're going into all aerial and mix up the offense, and everything starts you know plugging into play or plugging into place rather. And I don't know. I, I just I don't know. Yeah, I think my frustration comes from like, or I mean, Rivera said before the year started, Moffins may take the full year to get it right. And we've had three different quarterbacks back there already. So, and we didn't have Gibson. Uh, but something's got to change in the beginning because we're playing from behind too much. So if we're going to take a quick segue onto the play calling, um, I thought I had mixed emotions as well with the play calling. I thought they put a lot the of, ball 50 times. a lot of plays in place to give Haskins the old, like let him build confidence with short throws, wide open reads, good crossing routes where like, you know, they're shifting the defense one way and then somebody will kind of leak out. They did a ton of those with Logan Thomas today for obvious, you know, and we're going to talk about that obviously given the numbers that he finished up with. Um, he had 12 catches. Wow. But I don't know whether it was a function of Haskins discomfort. I don't know whether it was a function of the Seahawks coverage, or I don't know whether it was a function of the offensive play calling or some combination thereof. I feel like you're relying too much on the Dink and Duncan, especially when you have Haskins in the quarterback com- compared to Alex Smith. The deep shots or the shot plays weren't there. And I'm like, I don't know if we had a single sh- attempt that had more than like 15 or 20 air yards, like a single throw maybe in one. the entire. Okay, uh, so think- maybe two. So again, a very nominal number to do that. And I'm like, you know, that's the only way you're going to keep them on is to open up the things underneath. Now we still managed to do so, especially, especially again in the second half. But um, that was my main frustration. Like, build in a few shot plays to kind of loosen it up because, especially in the first half, you could see Seattle was fully prepared to tackle everything under in, underneath seven yards, right? Like, as soon as a in fact, before the ball was there, Seattle had a defender right on our guys, and they were clobbering them or yeah. just breaking up the play outright. Haskins had eight yards passing in the end of the first quarter, and he at one point was three for three with negative two, negative yards. two yards. I, I wrote both of those stats down. I'm like, this, this is this is not good. Also. Um, if John, my brother-in-law, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry about the over/under for Haskins passing yards. That's on me. Uh, he texted me saying, "What do you should I bet on this?" It was over over like two twenty-nine, and I was like, "Dude, he's easiest money." I was like, "Easiest money you'll ever make in your life. Take the under." <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really hard when you have an emotional investment in the game to make a bet otherwise, right? Like, I mean, to to, to be to lay down any yeah. objective thoughts, but I don't think anybody would have expected Haskins. It took him. It took him until his forty-seventh pass to get to 229. He finished with a whopping 5.4 yards per attempt. And obviously the whopping is very term, uh, tongue firmly planted in cheek. Um, One thing I want to call out uh, from a negative perspective from the Seahawks, you know, you guys are familiar listeners of the podcast. have heard me rant about punting on fourth and short situations. I thought Seattle, so after the second interception, after the one where he forced into double coverage and that asshole DJ Reed or whatever the guy's name is intercepted it and started barking, um, Seattle went three and out. 
after the interception. Or see, I went three and out, and they were on fourth and one. It was fourth and one from midfield, like midfield. Literally, literally the 50-yard line, if I'm not mistaken. I'm like, okay, you have a quarterback who's down in the pits. They're coming out of the second half. You have the momentum. You just scored on your last drive. You're on fourth and one at the 50-yard line, and you punt, and you know what this team does in the third quarter, and you gave them the ball back. I thought that was one of the most brain-dead, boneheaded things I've ever seen. I mean, just absolutely un, unacceptable, un, indefensible, whatever. I'm like, why would you do that? You like to run the ball. You have Russell Wilson and two stud receivers. What makes you think it was a good idea to punt and give them back the ball? I get that you were stymieing our offense, but you had to see that We'll, we'll get to this in a moment, but like Haskins was starting to wake up a little bit, both in his first drive. I mean, the last drive of the first half and the two minute drill and early in the second half, like even in that drive where he ended up throwing the interception, start and develop a little rhythm. And the best way you could have put another nail on that coffin. And instead you hand the ball right back to them. I, I thought it was absolutely moronic at best. Yeah. I, I actually thought of you when they did that, I was like, I bet you Roger would hate that if that was us. Um, I would be all livid as, as all hell. Uh, but one from the safety. Yeah, my my wife who was watching the game was like, "We should go for it," and they brought the punter out. And I I remarked, uh, I was like, "Well, I mean, if you pin us deep, like Dwayne's not going to do anything anyway, so it doesn't really matter." And then I think we went ninety six yards for a touchdown. I'm pretty sure that's what happened, right? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. think about we that. went all These the way are... down the field. I hate the football. I hate football cliches as much as I hate anything in the world. But like, at the end of the day, football is so much about a game of momentum. And it's like you could have again. It was a put your step, put your foot on their throat and step on their throat moment, and you didn't. And I'm like, I mean, good for us. And I, on top of that, yeah. right? Let's even say that your drive fizzles after ten yards. Your kicker hasn't missed a fucking attempt all year. What are you doing? Yeah, he's he's pretty damn good. Right, I, Myers, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I that was I thought that was absolutely hideously stupid. Um, I mean, but, better for uh, us, but it's very much um, that is very much a Pete Carroll call. He is not one. Um, this is coming at like a secondhand Seahawks watcher. I the reason Seahawks are in these bizarre games every week is he like doesn't rock the boat ever. Like no single game is he going for that fourth down. Whereas Ron's like, fuck it, let's roll fullback dive. Um, but it's, it was very, it was very uh, on brand for Pete Carroll, I think. I don't know. For someone who loves running the ball and playing defense, I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity to run the ball. Oh, by the oh, way, so with the running like back five yards of carry. who is smashing <laughs> us, and you have two large running backs against a team. Let's just use that as a – well, I'll, I'll save that. But against a team with no play from the linebacker position, um, good Lord almighty. Um, let's uh, let's jump to some of the positive performances of the game to kind of talk about that because we'll have plenty to talk about from the other side. Um, I started with my f- first star, if you will, or like my you know third a third star. I don't know how they phrase in hockey anyway, but um, Montez third Sweat, star. who continues to be a monster. Dude, he's so good. He, he you know they, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but there were so many opportunities where he was close, and I think more than anything else. Um, so it was the next drive after we cut it to 20 to nine. So we scored the touchdown to cut it to 29. Um, and then Seattle, it was one of the drives where Seattle didn't have a three and out. And they actually had a few first downs, like two or three passes in a row to DK Metcalf where they had, um, first downs, like one after another, after another. And like, they were driving and then, you know, sweat, I think he drops back in coverage. He sees 
Wilson rolling to his side, does another one of those nine-foot condor wingspan bats yeah. in the air. And, Very few uh, players in the NFL can make that play. And Deron Payne comes down with it, and if I'm not okay. mistaken, I think we turn around and we score on that ensuing drive. Yeah, no, I think it's like touchdown. It was the McKissick touchdown. Was it the McKissick we touchdown scored, drive? Yeah, okay. we scored on back-to-back drives. So, uh, again, I mean, just – I hate the Pro Bowl. I think it's it's uh, on record as saying it's the worst all-star game in sports. I think it's one of the stupidest – It's nice to get the recognition, though, Ill for a player. decisions. But if he's not, then I don't know who is because, like, he's, he's yeah. just been a monster. Every week, Chase makes – Chase makes – or uh, Montez makes a play where I'm like, you're a specimen. And that was yeah. one of them, right? Like, he – I forget how big he is. He's like 6'6". Six, six. Uh, I bet she has like a 40 inch. He's basically, this is a hot take. I don't know where the, this just popped in my head. He's basically what I wanted LeVar Arrington to be. He's just a freak. I mean, LeVar was violent and a different, wasn't a pass rusher. He's more like, you know, more of a linebacker, but like sweat is just us. He's a freak, right? He was a top 10 pick that fell because of what a heart condition. Is that why he fell? Allegedly. Um, yeah, that we obviously traded up for. Um, but every week this dude makes a play, and, and these tip passes are becoming a thing. Um, you know, go back to the Dallas game. He had the, he had the uh, touchdown against the um, Steelers. He disrupted, like, two or three different bend plays. Today, Russell did I – don't, I don't know where Russell was trying to throw the ball. He might have been trying to throw it away for all I, for all I know. He did not think Montez Sweat was going to get that high. Could get up that high. Yeah. And then, obviously, I'm a, I'm a huge Payne fan, so seeing him get a pick made me extremely happy. Uh, and to your point, all of a sudden, we had all this momentum, and I screamed at the TV, the boys are playing, and we went right down the field, and it was Haskins' best. Like, I know he scored the 96-yard drive. The touchdown drive, the one to McKissick, was his best drive of the year. Very crisp. I mean, that Very offense crisp. that offense was humming. Um so yeah, you, you, you're using the LeVar comp. I hate using this comp because it's a little cliche. I don't even know if it's right. It just popped in my head. But the comp that I see more right now of from Montez Sweat than I would from Chase Young, and this is no knock against Chase Young because my feelings for him are well-documented. I think he's an absolute monster, and it's just a matter of time before he's maybe one of the three best, if not one best pass rushers in the NFL. And I, I firmly believe that Montez sweat reminds me more of the Julius peppers comp than even chase young does. Right. If you look yeah. at it from I mean, the numbers, so fucking big. the perspective, like the numbers perspective, almost identical, the wingspan, like at six, six and two sixty, tell me that chase uh, Montez sweat couldn't be a monster power forward or any other position for that matter, really. Um, I, that's kind of what he reminds me of. And another thing, because of the basketball background, like they loved about uh, Julius Peppers way back in the day, was the condor-like wingspan. And Montez Sweat brings so much of that. And again, you're talking a legit 4-4-1 guy in terms of his athletic ability. And um, it's just, it's, it's amazing to see it. I do, there is a symbiosis between him and Chase Young and the way they're, the, the matchup problems they present to defenses on each side. Every team hopes to have that. We actually have that and it actually happens. And it's very, it's amazing to see on a week to week basis. And they continue to influence directly outcomes of games. And it's, it's just a joy to watch. I'll move to yeah. this. And they also, they also really like each other, which is a big bonus. I know that sounds weird, but like, Every time one of them makes the play, the other one's hyping him up. I mean, Chase Young is that type of teammate, A, to begin with. I mean, he always, like, he, he's not the leader of the defensive line because that's still going to go to John, Jonathan Allen, but he's the official spokesman of the defensive line. And you can tell that, like, they have their own cohesion within them. So completely agreeing with you on that fact. 
Um, I'm going to flip to the offensive side for the next second star, however you phrase it. Um, his, we say his name almost every week when I continue to say it right now. J.D. McKissick probably played his best game in Washington and as a member of the McKissick's football team. Sweet. 107 combined yards on uh, 22 touches. He had the touchdown. Um, I thought that was a good play call. It was a very spider two Y banana or spider three Y banana type of call. I don't know exactly which one it was, um, but in terms of the rollout and the running back leak and things like that. Um, but it's not so much the fact that he was productive. It's not so much the fact he's been an outlet receiver, which he's been all of those things for the X number of weeks. The dude just ran hard. He was ripping off chunks of yardage. There was yards after first contact. He made tough catches on multiple occasions. Um, he just generates He's positive a yardage. Yeah, I mean, it, if we were going to have any chance of winning today's game, McKissick had to be a huge part of it because, you know, we know outside of McLaurin, we don't have really anybody that can win on the outside. So we needed Thomas and McKissick both to have good games. And they did. And McKissick, like, every you're right, every week we talk about, like, man, McKissick is good. And it scares me a little that we have to – 20 touches for him is a lot. He's not for – I mean, even at the end of the game, he was gimpy. I was going to say, he's um, breaking down. Um, but, like, man, he's good. And he finds the little holes. Like, when he runs, I'm always surprised. He always finds this little crease and he spurts forward for four or five yards. Um, he doesn't run as hard as, like, Gibson does. Gibson's just big and he can handle that. But he, squ- he, like, squirts forward, for lack of a better term. That actually sounds really weird. Um, <laughs> but it's true. Um, I think there's and, just not a, lot of, there's not a lot of bulk that he runs with, right? Like, McK- we, we've talked about this ad nauseum with Gibson. Like, Gibson's a big boy. There's a lot of yeah. mass that he moves at that speed, right? Like, McKissick is just a smaller human being in general, right? But there was he's... one play with McKissick where he had an open hole and he got tripped. And I bet you it would have been a 20. It would have been a house call. I think I know what you're talking about. I don't know if he tripped on his own feet or if, like, someone caught a shoelace or something, but he slammed the ground afterwards because he he knew it. That was a big I remember that one. Damn. There were a couple times where he got hit in the backfield, and I'm like, all right, there goes the play. And he pops out and rips off at least a couple of yards, right, for what otherwise would have been a tackle for a loss. Um, great game from him. We say this every week, so at the risk of cliche, maybe his best game as a member of the football team. Um, but it was just awesome and completely agree with your point that he and the next guy we're going to mention, you know, they needed to be studs in addition to someone like Terry McLaurin in order for us to have a chance to bring some balance to the offense. And, you know, McKissick definitely was. And for the second straight week, if not longer, frankly, um, the offense kind of not only flowed through Logan Thomas, but Logan Thomas was the catalyst that actually brought the offense to life. Like he was the one who was literally the two clamps on the car parts. I don't know shit about cars, so I'm going to butcher this, but whatever you put the clamps on for the batteries to jumpstart it, like that was Logan Thomas, right? Because the offense was dead on arrival until we kept feeding him. And it was very similar against San Francisco last week that, you know, he just feeding him passes kind of opens everything else up. And uh, 13 catches for 101 yards, both career highs for him, and made tough catches, generated yardage, was reliable outlet once again. Um, you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous to say, given the circumstances that we brought him in w- within and the fact that he's a converted quarterback only a few years ago. But like in a year, in a down year for tight ends, I challenge you to find me eight or nine tight ends that are better than him. Yeah, it's weird. He's actually gotten a lot better at blocking, too. He's actually turned into a pretty good tight end. I still would love to have an elite tight end. Uh, it's just they do so much for offenses. Like, 
just look at Kittle does or Kelsey or all them. Imagine Thomas, how dynamic we could be if Thomas was a TE2 on this offense. Exactly to your point. Exactly. Yeah, it's my point. It's like, I think we should target a tight end in the offseason because we need another tight end. As great as Thomas has been, and he, look, I was so wrong about Logan Thomas. I'll be the – I did not like him. Still don't really like him just because he went to Tech. I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, but, like, we're getting to the point where every week I'm like, fuck, he's pretty good. And that catch he made along the side, which was a horrible throw, and he shoestrung it off the ground, and then he ran for like 18 or 20 yards, like every week. And he's he's learning how to play receiver. There's uh, he sat down in that zone a bunch, and um, Haskins was able to get the ball out very quickly, right? Um, but it, it goes back to what I said earlier: if we wanted any chance to win this game, him and McKissick had to play great, and they did, and we had a chance to win uh, because, like. Our receivers are awful. Yeah. McLaurin didn't have a great game, but still at 77 yards, made a couple really hard catches. He also caught that ball on his helmet on the sideline. I wanted us to challenge because slow-mo, I think he actually caught it. Insane. Um, uh, but, like, we're running out. Robert Foster. Who we just uh, literally signed 15 minutes ago. Yeah, we're running out. Uh, I mean, Cam Sands has had his, has, has had his moments. Steve Smith, he just – Talking about sophomore slump, I was excited about him. All off the face of the earth. Um, AGG hopefully plays next week, maybe. I don't know. Regardless, I've been saying it all year. Throw the fucking bag at a wide receiver in the offseason. We we need help. I'm starting to I'm starting to kind of I I, I hate the I, I hated the idea. I'm still not overly fond of the idea, but I think it's coming more and more to fruition. You know, Washington fans are throwing a lot of um, names out, like Allen Robinson. Although I feel like the the, the Bears are going to put some type of tag on him just to make make his life miserable and not let him leave there. Like Allen Robinson, Man, give me Robinson in a heartbeat. Corey Davis is generating so much buzz among the Washington fans, and like that guy, man, talk about a fifth-year breakout, right? Like you know when it, when his balls are to the wall in terms of like they declined his option. AJ Brown was supposed to be the stud receiver there, and AJ Brown is a stud receiver, but like Davis has been balling out, and I mean he would be monster, you know, second. He's not a number true number one, but like you know opposite of McLaurin, he would be a definitely. A we don't need player. a true number one. We if don't we need have, like, I mean McLaurin is a number one. I I think he is. Oh boy, don't get sacked. McLaurin is a top 15 receiver. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've said this a thousand times. I'm working on this. And it's a spoiler. Like, I think I have McLaurin at like 16 or 17. And I don't like how low I have him ranked in terms of like yeah. ranking the receivers. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a true one. All we need is a competent number two guy who can get open. Right. And we're going to have to throw a bag to get someone probably like that. It's but gonna we're going to have a lot of money. Yeah. So may as well. The other guy, my buddy Chester likes that. Um, uh, we've been to talk about this guy before. Uh, what's his name? Goodwin? Godwin. Who's the Tampa guy? Godwin's amazing. If if, yeah. they, if Godwin gets squeezed out, oh my God! I'm again. I'm not for throwing bag. He, he's if younger I, than Terry. He's younger than Terry. If Godwin go, is a free agent somehow, or even if it costs us, I mean, shit. I would I would surrender a high two to go get Godwin. That guy's a stud. That would oh my God! That yeah. would be such a great. Pick. He is. I wrote about this last week. His his stock has plummeted just because of fucking Tom Brady over there ruining everything and. Plus they, plus they brought an AB. They brought, I mean, they already had Mike Evans. I mean, there's they brought back the on. old, the old Space Cowboys geriatric crew with Rob, with Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown and all that. And I'm like, great. What's Dude, what if like if we had Godwin and then I know a lot of people, some people love him, some people are like he's too small for the NFL, but like give me Pitts in the first round, out of Florida. I don't care if he plays wide receiver or tight end. He's a uh, freak. I don't like Kyle Pitts from the perspective of. 
um, rookie tight ends rarely make an impact. They you start to see the big jump in years two and two, years two and year three. But that's the thing we don't we don't necessarily need him to be tight end one. We'll let yeah. Thomas handle that. Yeah, and then we just have him as a massive, massive fucking slot receiver. Pitts is talented, like no question about that. He's talented. Yeah. Um, I'm just very wary of people like who go go ham on like, oh, we have a rookie tight end, so he's going to be a hundred catches in a thousand yards and be your one. I'm, that, I am that just never I'm happens. all in. I'm all in on offensive playmakers right now because I can't watch this offense for another season. No, <laughs> we need we need people to create space. Isaiah Wright, hey, great story. Cam Sims, great story. We need another guy who can go get his. The one play that I want to talk about for Logan Thomas to kind of put a pin on him. Um, the second play after the two-minute warning in the second half, and he's streaking down, and Vilma calls it like he's got he's got Thomas, right? And I don't know if it was the, the underneath coverage guy, if he broke it up. I couldn't remember who – I can't remember who it was. Um, if that play hits, obviously that could have been a touchdown, but that would have been the knockout punch, right? Like that would have, that's like one of those things like play talking, before the two sacks, right before the two sacks. Yes. Right before there was, he was streaking down. It was in the end zone. He had a guy, it's it was, it was bracket coverage. It was an errant throw. It was a little too far, but like he was still right, well covered. Say again. I thought it was the right read. It was a right read. And it was a right. I still think it was a right throw to challenge it again, talking about, you know, at least taking shots down the field. But if that play, and it was close, it was so close. I don't think a more athletic tight end would have caught that. I think it was still a little bit of an errant throw. Uh, it was also, again, well covered, as mentioned. Um, but, like, that play was like, oof, if that hit, man, you're talking that, – that, that, that play doesn't alter the course of a game alone. That game – that play alter, likely alters the outcome of the season at some levels, right? Yeah. And um, I think that, that was a big one That's the play – no, I, I, I agree. I, I, that's the play that separates Haskins, I think. Yeah. Uh, if that ball has touch on it, Thomas can go make the play. That ball had no touch on it. It was on a it was on a line. It was a frozen rope. Um, and ultimately, I think those are the type of passes that are going to do Haskins because he like he's never once made that throw. He tried to make it against Cleveland a few times and they didn't work. Like right read, you got to give your guy a chance to make the catch though, right? I mean that's the bottom line. Yeah, we'll. we'll so much to kind of build on there. Um, I want to get the other, do we know we can start the negatives? Well, we'll start the, the down because that's kind of going to be lead the segue to that. Um, we talked about this. You alluded to it in your early part. We talked about this, I think, before we even got on. Um, so I was remarking in my notes. I'm like, we basically, our entire defense is the four linemen or five, depending on what type of scheme we're playing, and then the four members of the secondary. Because if our defensive line doesn't make a play on their running back or their quarterback, then the secondary is going to have to make a play. And that implies that there's only eight guys on the field, which means we don't have linebackers. Like they, they just, they may as well not exist. They, they, again, I know KPL was out for the game. I know Cole Holcomb was out for the game, but like, good Lord almighty. Like what, what is it that you do here? Once again, I'm asking that question because it's not stuffing the hole. It's not chasing in pursuit. If a running back gets past the line of scrimmage, it's one of our safeties, poor Cam Curl or Jeremy Reeves or, or Jimmy Moreland is a, is a nickel corner. They're the ones making tackles because it's not our linebackers. They're not doing anything. They may as well not be on the field. We may as well play eight guys on defense. And again, they were yeah, no, enormously problematic given the fact that, you know, Seattle was able to run when they decided they would run the ball. Yeah, I was very worried about not having Holcomb and, and uh, KPL, mostly because Russell's so slippery in the pocket. Like, it puts a lot of pressure on linebackers. and one of the things Russell is best at is getting the ball to his tight ends. 
um, the the amount of random tight ends the Seahawks have just because Russell escapes and then and then he just dumps it off to tight end like Will Disley. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Um. Uh. I've all, I've wondered for a while why Sean Dion Hamilton doesn't play more. Um. Every time he plays, I'm like, oh, he's not bad. Uh. But like today was a reason why he's not a starter in the NFL. The to your point, if the defensive line didn't make a play, and on the big touchdown run, I think he was untouched. Out of the, he was untouched. They got, they got the first. Pain. It's one of the few times you'll ever see Payne beat at the line of scrimmage. They, he got, they kind of got tossed to the side. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, out. all of a sudden, there's nobody there, right? And then Moreland slips, and then you know Hyde's gone. Um, but I, now I know why, because our linebackers were so bad. I mean, they were four or five yards before touching you know, Hyde or, or, or Carson multiple times. Uh, Curl had, you know, a couple great tackles in the open field, but that, at that point they're already eight, nine yards down the field. Right. Curl and uh, in, in Moreland shouldn't be making so many plays on running backs. Like there's yeah. a problem there if that's happening. You know, I, and Thomas it, Davis, like, did should retire. Worthless. Now. Absolutely worthless. I mean, one of the worst free agent signings we've, done, we've had in years, and we have a litany of really bad ones to compare them to. Um, I know it's ridiculous to mention our linebackers in the same sentence as this guy. I'm not particularly a fan of this guy to begin with, but it's something that's always stuck out to me. So, um, you know, they interviewed Ray Lewis years and years ago, and it was some random interview or something like that. And he was talking about the 2000 Ravens defense, which, you know, many will argue is the second best greatest collective unit ever next to the 85 Bears, right? Whatever, that's neither here nor there. But they used to ask him there, like, you know, how does this defense work so well? And he's like, look, we had the stud defensive line, and people forget how good Sam Adams and Tony Saragusa among the rest of those guys. And then I think um, one of the Bullwares, no, Peter Bull was not a linebacker, but it was a, oh, Michael McCrary was a defensive end on that guy. Like, they had a really, 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 really good defensive line. And the whole thing was that he's like, their job is basically just four guys eat five blockers on the offensive line. And it's me and Peter Bulware. And I can't forget, can't remember who is the weak side linebacker on that, but um, it's our job to go in up. and they just blow clean. shit up, right? Go blow it up. If anybody gets past them, our job is to clean it up and just erase anything that gets past that defensive line. Or like we see the crease that's opened up and we go blow shit up. We don't have that. We're relying on our top five to do everything, right? Like we're just relying on those guys to completely – um, make all the plays. They have to generate the pass rush. They have to occupy the blockers, and they have to they have to tackle the running backs because we don't have linebackers. Uh, I think one of the reasons why KP or uh, not KPL, um, uh, Holcomb has been playing better of late is like he's no longer thinking; it's just instinctive. And then the defensive line is mostly eating it up, so he's able to go make those plays. Right. Um, the only linebacker today, I think, I want to call out just because he got really his first real run today. But I thought Hudson, Hudson was okay. I just don't Hudson think he's that one big. TFL, but I, I don't think he's just quite big enough. Yeah, he's he's uh, the the tweener. He's, a he's tweener. the viper in college. It's, that's the name of the position that he played in. Um, yeah, the Jabril Peppers position. The Jabril Peppers position, Michigan under Don Brown's defense over there. But uh, he's he's the money backer, the the big. Middle, I really like him. Whatever they do, and I think in that role he's well suited. But yes, I, I completely agree that he's not a three down linebacker. Yeah. As, as he's also goes. great on special teams. Great, he's a great special. He is Jabril Peppers. I'll go this far as saying he's Jabril Peppers minus any of the high school hype. Like I will still tell you that Jabril Peppers is living off his number two overall high school recruit in the nation status and didn't do anything after that. Like I think he was one of the most overrated draft prospects I've seen in the He's actually turned into a pretty good player for the Giants though. Oh, I, I have my thoughts, but then I'm also not, I'm not complete, not objective at all when it comes to anybody related to the Giants. So 
Um, yeah, he, uh, the linebackers, I mean, we've talked about them week over week. The one guy we've alluded to week over week, um, but his hiccupiness or erraticness really shown through today was our kicker, Dustin Hopkins. Fucking and Hopkins, man. That extra point that he missed was the ripple Lost effect that ultimately led us to chasing the game-winning touchdown instead of a field goal, which we were absolutely in position to kick. And that, it was just the domino that ultimately in many ways led to this game not going into overtime and thus not giving us a chance to pull out the win. Yeah. Being a kicker in the NFL is the worst job in the NFL, right? Like, you go three for three and no one talks about you. You go three for four and everyone's like, why'd you miss that fucking field goal? Yep. Hopkins buried that 48-yarder. Um to open the scoring for us. And, you know, he's only missed – that was only his second extra point miss of the year, which all things considered I think is probably better than most NFL kickers. But this guy misses important kicks all the time. Yeah. And it's – I'm starting, like – I just feel like his misses are always glaring, right? Like he's missed multiple kicks this year that have cost us games. And you can go back and forth whether you want to say Hopkins lost this game for us. I actually texted you after the game that I believe Hopkins lost this game, game for us. Because we're now 0-5 on two-point conversions. <laughs> uh, Did we really not make any? I, mean, I didn't get any. 0-5. Nice. And, no. and our play today was just handed it to Barber and run up the middle for a yard instead of two. Um, but we have to chase points because of Hopkins all the time now. And it goes back to the Cincinnati game 2016, maybe? Whenever we tied in overtime with the Bengals. Oh, God. Uh, he missed a 34-yarder to win the game. And, like, ever since then, I don't know if it's the yips or what, he's a solid kicker, and then all of a sudden, like, he misses important field goals. That game was Extra like waking point. up next to your cousin after a family event and waking up next to your cousin the next morning. Like, that's that was the feeling you got after that game. Yeah, my just – I was I, – uh, we can't afford to chase points. Hopkins – Forced that, forced that hand. I mean, to your point, the only scary part is like, I, I appreciate uh, this, this thought. It's like, okay, well, if he had made that, we would have been in a position to kick the field goal, but then you're relying on Hopkins. Hopkins to kick the game-winning field goal? <laughs> yeah. So, so, well, you know, Not sure we're better uh, off as a result. Catch, yeah, catch 22 here. Um, but my point is, is like, look, Hopkins is a decent kicker. He's not great. But uh, recently – his misses have been very important. And I think Ron's getting tired of it because he's funny. lost his games. It's funny because um, my, my parents and particularly my dad have been here almost every week because they're here to see the kid every single day, um, the kiddo. And so over the last few weeks, they've watched, just been at the house and watching a lot of the games. Um, particularly when we've had these like odd primetime games or whatever, they've definitely been there. Not so much today, but he's asked me a couple of times. He's like, as the semi-uneducated fan, he's just like, why don't we go get another kicker? Like, he's like, shouldn't that be easy? And I'm you like, can't. that's the, like, that's the it, it's with, I said this exact phrase. I'm like, the thing with kickers is the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, right? He's like, you don't know, like, the problem is, is that when you replace your kicker with another kicker, you're potentially opening up a larger problem. And more often than not, the next guy is not as good as the probably guy worse. you have. It's probably right? worse. It almost <laughs> always works out that like, when you're chasing kickers every single week, you're actually scraping the bottom of the barrel and finding worse and worse and worse and worse and worse guys because the reason that they're not employed is because they can't play, right? Like the, 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 
10 to 12 kickers who you can truly rely upon are already taken up by teams. Everybody else is kind of just those crabs in a bucket. That yeah, you, there's really only out. like five good kickers in the league. Right? I mean, and, you know, if you're, Justin, if you're Justin Tucker, if everything life is easy, and it's like I joked and I'm like seeing Justin Tucker miss a field goal is like spotting Bigfoot. It doesn't happen, you know. On, on, he's so on, good. Right? And he um, drilled that 55 yarder to win on Thursday. He's a fucking machine. I mean, he might be, so, I would argue, he's the best kicker this, like, this century, like, of the last 20 years. Like, I can't think of no, I mean, the best ever, hands down. I, I, I'm hard pressed to disagree with you because it's like who the only other competition you're talking about is Adam Vinatieri. Gary Anderson? Adam Vinatieri? Like, who? Right? And, like, I don't think. Well, Gary Anderson had one good year, that 98 year, right? With like, yeah. until he, and, then he missed, playoffs, then, right? and then he missed. Probably the best the kickers of our game. lifetime, you're probably talking about like Morton Anderson and, and guys of that ilk. And I'm like, I, I, I would take Justin Tucker alongside any of them, perhaps over any of them. I'd, so, take, yeah. I'd take Tucker over anybody. Right? And so like, that's that's that but like not everyone is justin tucker and like look steven goskowski went to the went to the titans he's got the yips like a motherfucker right now right so you know there's there's guys and then you've got this dude of seattle i genuinely didn't know much about him Myers. Oh, yeah and they he gave him missed. they paid him he's got he's, like a he's big, a retread too isn't he like i feel like he's bounced around a few places yeah he's bounced around but they gave him uh, only reason i know this is because seahawks fans in seattle are like why did we just pay a kicker that much money and turns out it's because he's pretty good. <laughs> if memory serves me correctly, he was in Jacksonville for a long time. If I'm thinking, I have no idea. Yeah, I My point, your point is right though. It's like this is the problem with kickers. We can't just cut them because there's nobody better. Right. If there was somebody better, we would we would have either a signed him or b he'd be playing elsewhere. Anyway. And drafting a kicker from college is the devil's folly, right? Because like you know you that that give me Janikowski, pick 19 overall, do. Um, I mean, like, some guys are like Mason Foster, and some guys are like, you know, fucking Bill Gramatica. Not even Martin Gramatica, right? Like, it's the other What was Gramatica. the kicker? Who, who was the second-round pick for the uh, Bucks? That turned out he just Aguayo. He went crazy. Robert Aguayo. Aguayo. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Golden leg. That dude sucked. He sucked dude. a lot, right? And it's like, oh, so that's what I'm like, that guy was a camp. That's miss. why you don't draft kickers. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly why. It's like not even everyone's the Polish powder keg who likes to roofie girls, right? Like, it's uh, it's um, you could you get Aguayos of the world, like you can know, Mason Foster, if I'm not mistaken, was the third brother, not Mason Foster, Mason Crosby, Mason Crosby, the Packers kicker for a Crosby's long time. Cro- yeah, Cro- no, he still is. He's been there for like 20 years. Right, but like, he was one rare day two pick in current construct. He was third round pick. I just assume all kickers are signed off the street. Third round pick, man. He was one of the high, rare high picks that worked out. Otherwise, that, that's usually him and like Martin Gramatica were the only two like high round picks that I remember like are good kickers. And then Martin Gramatica. Janikowski. Yeah, Janikowski. But that was like egregiously bad. Like you can't take a kicker with the 17th. Or that was my favorite, one of my favorite picks of all time. I don't blame you. Um, okay. Because the Redskins didn't draft him. <laughs> but the Skins, I would have hated it. <laughs> um now let's get into the real meat and potatoes of the podcast. Um, this is going to kind of yes. be the, the third down, the third down part. Can I of this. caveat this before you? Dive yes, in? please caveat this with what you said beforehand. This, yeah. So for those listening, Rajan every week does this wonderful thing where he puts together a quick outline, which I generally always follow, and it's basically there as a crutch if we like forget what we're talking about or I start watching too much TV. It's like, oh, okay, I can quickly go back and see what we're talking about. I purposefully have not looked at the Dwayne Haskins one yet section because i want this to be a totally was it right unbiased conversation i don't i don't didn't know i didn't want to know his opinion i have uninformed. my own opinion yep this, everything's uninformed this is all new to me uh, and i'm very excited to talk about it 
So I'm going to start here with this. I will start with the Haskins section of the podcast with my main thing. Um, and, and we'll circle back to the kind of the down part where we'll get to, which is kind of obvious, right? Um, I will start here. I will say this, that Haskins showed enough today to believe that his future doesn't necessarily have to be on another team. Doesn't have to. I'm not saying that his future belongs here, <laughs> right? His future doesn't have to belong here. So there was, inter- I have a few thoughts on this, uh, kind of taking a step back that Haskins, ironically, considering they're very apple and orange in their playing style, you could see elements that he almost borrowed, emulated, whatever you want to f- say from Alex Smith in terms of playing within the construct of the offense don't play too much hero ball, take what the defense gives you, all those familiar football jargons and stuff like that, uh, jargon and cliches and stuff like that. Those elements were there. Um, I thought he heated up in certain moments. I'm almost willing in many cases to kind of give him a reprieve for how bad he was in the first quarter because I kind of chalk some portion, not all of it, some portion up to you know, like there's so many instances where you'll talk about like, in the Super Bowl, and I know this is one of the Super Bowl, but like so many cases, like in a big high profile game where quarterbacks get the jitters and like everything's high, everything's rushed just because they're like so amped up or like so like eager to kind of hit the ground running that they're a little too juiced up. And I think Haskins, given the context of everything, kind of started off that to that level. Although going three for three for negative two yards is um is an entirely different animal overall. Um I thought to your, to your point about like in the second half, particularly after he threw the second interception, he said something in the press conference after the game today, where he was like, oh, after that second interception, I just got really, really mad. And it was like, I just wanted to go do, out, do something to go help my team win this game. And he started playing within the flow of the offense, within the flow of the game. And he made, he showed a few throws or a few like a arm talent things that make you realize, oh, okay, this is kind of why he might have been the 15th overall pick in that draft. Like, he had, like, one. Oh, his, arm, his arm talent his arm talent is second to none in the league. His, like, he had that side arm. It's not even, like, just point A to point B velocity or anything like that, right? Like, he had, like, there was that like, weird – there was a sidearm throw to McKissick that was, like, a really nice throw. I think that's the one that Pete Carroll ended up challenging and, and, met, and missed – um, like there was a bunch that of was an where, play. that was an off script play. You don't see that from Dwayne very often. There was just a few. So like, um, I, I was writing a few of them down. So, um, two minute drill in the first half, he throws this uh, ball that was a little high and fast to cam Sims at midfield, um, goes right off Sims's fingertips. It should have been, um, it should have been caught by him. An NFL receiver should catch that. There was a back shoulder throat of McLaurin, which I think you were referencing. It was a great um, throw. Great throw. It was a great catch, both of all of them, right? Um, there was the third and sixth pass to McLaurin, which it was a catch and run in the two-minute drill over in the first half. There was that one. Um, there's probably a couple of others that I'm missing or in general, right? But you still saw, like, it's still very, very difficult to overlook some of the flaws that Haskins has. Um, for instance, there was, uh, again, going back to the two-minute drill that ended in the field goal, it was third and twelve. And he throws a pass to Logan Thomas, who was well short of the sticks to begin with. So let's put that out there. But it was flat-footed and just sailed well over his head. And you can't convince me he was throwing that pass away. He was throwing to Logan Thomas because Thomas was wide open. It was just like five yards short of the sticks, right? Um, You know, there's still tons of growing with him to do. But he's bringing you back in. I can't believe I'm saying this because I was so far on the opposite, uh, opposite end of the spectrum. But I'm like... 
okay, there's two parts. One, I hate that I'm saying this, but it's like, okay, you still have to say that this is his 14th game in the NFL or something like that. One, that's one. But part two, and maybe this is just me drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm like, think about this. He showed substantial. What the level of substance is, is subject to debate. But he showed substantial growth sitting behind Smith for X number of weeks, X number of months, however long it's officially been, right? What happens if you extend that apprenticeship, right? I'm almost saying like you give, if, if, if Smith is medically cleared to go, the ball has to go back to Smith. I am not saying under any way, shape or form that Haskins should assume the job of the starter barring injury to Alex Smith. You give it back to Alex Smith. I'll take it one step further in the sense that Alex Smith should, I, I still believe as crazy as the sound that you start the season with Alex Smith next year as your quarterback. And, but you go, go in saying that we'll take us as far as Alex Smith can take us. And then if we start to see that father time is catching up with Alex Smith or those injuries have just taken their toll or whatever, you've got Haskins ready and kind of sitting on the bench and learning and developing, which should have been the game plan all along in the first place to kind of then, you know, to, to then assume things under the caveat that he spent this much time learning under Smith, whatever the last few games were, if you take eight weeks of that, and if you're able to take eight more weeks from this season onwards, maybe you double the level of progress he made. And that's a lot of ifs and buts and in, in, in um, optimism. But, um, but yeah, and, and I think to kind of spearhead like the good and the bad, like I, I wrote this in my notes and I, I firmly believe this, that if you're like a Haskins doesn't have it, one, I'm not going to argue with you because you have plenty of salient points to make and you have plenty of salient points to prove your point today. But if you're one of those fervent Haskins just needs another chance, you have plenty of things to walk away with in today's game as well, right? Like there are those moments where he looked really good, but then there are those moments like where he forces that throw into double coverage and in that second interception on the first drive of the second half, that was just inexplicable, man. Like that was a really, really bad throw. Like you just don't do that. Um, the first interception, it was a big gut punch. Um, Seattle ended up scoring a touchdown on the, like, in that so you count that as at least a 10 point swing because we were in the red zone and um, it was a bad throw he threw it behind right he gunned it in and to to stop talking for a moment as well um that was a bad design by play call a bad a horrible call design, design call. by scott Turner i don't know who's, no one knows who you're throwing the ball to cam sims and isaiah Wright were right next to each other and there were three seattle dbs within all five of those guys were within a two yard radius something is very wrong with that situation okay now your turn so I've been, I've been very excited to talk about this since the game ended. Um, we are not far off totally. Um, I wish we were. <laughs> but I, there are things I do disagree with. But all intents and purposes, if, if, if someone stops listening right now, we're not far off. Um, look, today was the reason I wanted Dwayne to start all 16 games. Um, you can see they're like, look, and I'm not second guessing Ron. I'm glad he made the switch. We're better off because he made the switch, right? Like I was on a table for 16 games for Haskins, uh, but the switch actually, I get why Ron did it, right? He, his point was like, I can't just wait on one player. I got 52 other players to worry about. And as a result, now we're playing for a chance to make the playoffs. But the reason I wanted to start all 16 games is I think you're right. The first quarter, I mean, they were all screen passes to Terry or, like, dump offs. Like, that was very – he was too hyped up. He was quick with the ball. Uh, I think Turner just didn't really help him out too much there. Although, I think Turner was trying to make it very easy for him. Um, and then, 
the first pick, I knew it was a threat. I was like, no, like take off running. We had points. We literally had points. We were on like the 30-yard line or whatever it was. And also, you're right. That play, I don't know what was going on with that play design. Throw, throw that play out the playbook. Don't run it ever again. Uh, but then Seahawks go 90-plus yards, score a touchdown. All of a sudden, it's we, we could have been 6-3. to three. All of a sudden, it's 13 nothing. They get the ball half. Um, although we did score uh, because, in between. because then we went into the hurry up. Uh, with a minute 45, we got the ball back on 13. We went hurry up, and all of a sudden, like, light switch. Haskins knew where he wanted to go with the ball. He knew where his receivers were. The ball was coming out. It was accurate. Everything was out of the shotgun. I think that's critical for him because it allows him to see things a lot more quickly. And that's all uh, he did in Ohio State, too. That's all he did in Ohio State. His feet, his feet are so much better when he is in shotgun because he's already back there. He doesn't have to worry about drop. Where, where am I going, right? He's there. Um, all of a sudden, I go down, get points, and then he had that beautiful ball to Terry to start the second half. And I was like, "Okay, Dwayne, here we go." And Scott got greedy. We hit play action pass the next play, and Haskins threw one of the worst picks of all time. I mean, I don't know, I don't know where he was throwing. One skins player, three dis- three Seattle DBs in that area. Yeah. Just yeah. Awful, 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 awful. And I, I reference the Boosogs in this podcast every week because. Literally, I text with these guys 300 times a day. Um, I, I have it muted on my phone because the amount of just texting back and forth is is, is is hard to keep up with, but I do keep up with it. And all of us said the same thing. You know, I hope he leaves his helmet on the field, take his key card. Like, I hope I hope uh, uh, Theismann rips, like, literally rips the seven off of his jersey. Like, I was so done with Dwayne then. At that point, I even said, like, I won't even say his name ever again. Because I was just – I knew we were going to lose with Dwayne, but the way we were losing was infuriating me because we were just – like Dwayne wasn't giving us a chance to win that game at all. And you reference his, uh, his comment after the game, like what happened after that second pick, and he was like, I got mad. One, I'm like, dude, you're in the NFL. You should be mad the whole game. Um but light switch, right? Boom. All of a sudden, we go 96 yards. He looks competent. That, I've mentioned this before, but the uh, the touchdown drive to McKissick was his best drive of the season. Like, he looked – that is why he was drafted 15th overall. Um, you could see the arm talent. You could see he started running. He had three first downs running with his feet, um, moving the pocket. Like, he looked like – fuck yes. Giants getting smoked, baby. Let's go. Um he looked like a starting NFL quarterback. And then on the drive to end the game, he looked even better. Um, I know he took those sacks. Those sacks were not his They weren't fault. on him. I'm not going to They're not his him. fault. And if, if anyone says otherwise, they're wrong. Yep. Moses shouldn't have been in the game. Yeah. You cannot tell me one point. I don't even think even when Moses was playing poorly where someone has overpowered him. And Dunlop just ran right through him. Dunlap went LeVar leap all over Morgan yeah, Moses. Yeah, which doesn't happen. He no. should not have been on the field. Moses is a mountain that, of a man, and he doesn't get beat like that. No. And the only reason why he was on the field is because Sharp got torched in the first part of the drive. Do you remember? Which so, I, thought, I thought game was over at that point. You remember when Sharp, uh, so Sharp just got smoked. It was actually one of my favorite plays of Haskins, which had nothing to do with throwing the football. Uh, Robinson, I think his name is, on, um, on the Seahawks. He smoked. I mean, smoked like a delicious brisket. Smoked right past uh, David Sharp. 
uh, swipe the ball down, swipe and Haskins ball, recovered Haskins this. Right on it. Yeah, and I thought right that was that was such a clutch play. I mean, as silly as that sounds, but yes, Sharp was once again awful. He is he's one of the worst free agent. I mean, one of the worst Redskins players I've seen in quite some time. That guy is. I think I could generate a viable pass rush on David Sharp. Yeah. So. Yeah, so this. I'm sorry, I'm taking so much air. Time no, no, here, no, please right? do. I talk I'm, a lot. I'm passionate about this. Uh, the so basically, more of the story. Haskins, like all of a sudden, turned the slide on, and he almost led us back to victory. I guess one of the best teams of the last what decade, um, and would have been like talk about career reviving if he yes. won that game. The narrative around Dwayne would have been nuts, like like start him next week kind of nuts, um, but. My synopsis of wrapping all this up is Dwayne Haskins made himself a lot of money today. I don't think he's ever going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think that ship has sailed. There's too many mistakes. The fucking two picks were awful. He's going to be in the league for a long time, just holding the clipboard. And when you need someone to come in, he's going to come in. He's going to be like the guy in like five years where he's Phillip Rivers still playing, but he can only throw five yards, but they need a Hail Mary in the game. So they bring in Dwayne Haskins. Like, he's, he's going to have a job. I do not want it to be with the Washington football team. I want him gone. Um, I think, you know, I hope he resurrects his career elsewhere. And if he does, I think he owes Alex Smith everything. Because you're right. He played like Alex Smith today with those two – even with those two brutal interceptions. That was a Alex Smith game. And Haskins is getting better. And maybe, you know, maybe he figures it out. But I'm done with him. There's still, I was talking to my friend, John, um, as a teaser for this, we're dropping our NBA podcast previews this week. And so he and I, recorded one, he and I recorded one this weekend and we, you know, offline, we were talking about, um, about Haskins and all of those things. And I'm like, just the footwork and the poor mechanics are still very, very poor. Like they're, they're still, they're not, they're not going to get better. That's something that like, see with, with quarterbacks, you have, you have, Throwers and you have passers, right? And I think the classic example, I hate to use the same, the two of them in the same sentence, but again, I, I was saying where like, I, I make this comment, at the, made this comment a thousand times where like everyone, you know, just blows their load over the throw that Haskins made against the Jets last year that ultimately Shit. is called back, right? Like everyone Still loves that play. And I, I, I find it to be the most ridiculous thing to hang your hat on ever, irrespective of the fact that the play was called back. Cause I'm like, look, man, Jamarcus Russell and Kyle Bowler made us cream our pants because of what they could do with an arm talent perspective. What, what did it net us? Like what, did, that was one of the reasons it got so turned off by Patrick Mahomes originally, because it was like, he got, you know, got on two knees and he threw the ball 70 yards. And I'm like, great. So did Kyle Bowler. Where did that get you? And Mahomes is, his um, completion percentage in college wasn't, wasn't very good. And I'm like, guess who that sounds like Kyle Bowler. Obviously, the two of them have very, very, very different career trajectories. You just so, compared Mahomes to Bowler. I did. I just, I just did. I, I just did that. <laughs> just wanted to point it out. Um, again, very different career trajectories. But that notwithstanding, like, there's – I said this, again, I was referencing that pass to Logan Thomas, and there are probably others that I didn't take a look at closely. But, like, his bad mechanics still show up. His bad decision-making still shows up. Early on in the game, the the clock in his head in terms of when to get rid of the ball was still slow. Like there are many things where like your physical gifts can't overcome that. At some level, quarterbacking is very preternatural. Like one of the things I loved about Joe Burrow coming out of college was that it's not just the fact that Joe Burrow was an athlete, that he was, you know, 
able to kind of throw the ball from point A to point B at a relatively good pace. He just understood he, the game as a chessboard and like how to get the ball where. I was skeptical of the fact because LSU is so goddamn talented in many cases, but look how terrible they are without him now. So that tells you how good he was, right? So um, I think there's, there's just that distinction. I was making the comment again. It's like Drew Brees, nobody, when you talk about Drew Brees, Nobody comments about his arm strength because Drew Brees is never known for his arm. That guy just plays chess. He is a passer. He knows what he's that, doing with the ball. Arm. Right? And it, it, I mean, to even extent, like Philip Rivers was never a big arm guy, using your example, but he just knew how to control the game. And I think Smith at a very, very, very diet, no calorie, low calorie version of that does the same thing. That like, okay, I'm just going to play with, within the context and the flow of what's going on. And to see Haskins do that, that was great. But there's just too many things that are wrong with him, and you can't rely on having this golden arm to overcome everything because that just doesn't happen. I think the narrative behind he hasn't played enough football is also gone. Um, he's now got 14 starts. Uh, this is basically we're basically through two full years of the NFL, um, and you can make any argument you want with me right now with Dwayne Haskins. Oh, he doesn't have talent around him. Well, Alex Smith has found a way to win. I throw that yeah Saints, that that has to go Saints, out the window. The supporting cast that has to go um, out the window. And today, I think the nail in the coffin for me today, honestly, and this is uh, way out of right field. Um, I'm watching Haskins, and I'm I'm sitting there. I'm like, holy shit! Like this is the kid we drafted. Like where has this been? Like Haskins plays in the second half. There is no quarterback competition. We're like psyched for the rest of the forever because we feel like we have a quarterback. We've seen this from Haskins before, though. He shows it. Every once in a while, I shows these flashes where, like, damn, and you see the talent. You're like, that's why you were drafted where you were drafted. I but respectfully disagree that we never saw that in 2020. I think we saw in two, his I, last I think, six quarters were good. I feel like there's way too many garbage time stats. Like, like, I never, I at no point this season, at no point prior to this game, did I ever feel like Haskins showed me any glimpse of life. Any. I'm talking the so, 300 yards against Baltimore. Maybe, 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 maybe a little bit against Philadelphia. Maybe. But other than well, that, no, I, I agree. I, I, I don't think he's shown any flashes. 19 Haskins did show me a little bit. But like, my point is, is like the kid we saw in the second half today was the kid I thought we were going to get coming into this season. Yes. It did not happen. And I don't think it's going to happen ever. I don't think he's ever going to put it all together. I think he's played enough. And the reason I bring it up and my out of right field comment is I just watched Jalen Hurts ball out. Ugh. And that dude had, I mean, yeah, sure, he had a great uh, single year at Oklahoma. He played on some phenomenal Alabama teams. But my point is, he hadn't started a single game in the NFL. He's thrown to fucking nobody and has no offensive line. And he balled out today to the point where I'm like, fuck. And we've now had Haskins for 14 games, and we've never once been like, we've never even had a game where we can be like, dude, he's got it. And I'm not saying Hurts is going to make it. I have no idea. I actually don't think he's that good, but apparently I'm way wrong. You're not, right now in, Phil you're in not Philadelphia, he's in not Philadelphia, good. they're like, sweet, we have a quarterback. No, you have a gimmick. Well, that gimmick balled out today. Yeah. And he almost beat – he almost Ari broke my heart and beat the Cardinals. Arizona's a weird team. It's because they're, they're a weird team. team. I'm standing on that. I'm standing on that hill. Which one? Uh I think Queensbury's fucking stupid coach. Um, they win because they have Murray uh, and Hopkins. It's not because he's some offensive genius. All you I would have thought you were an idiot if you said that 
if I if you mentioned that comment about ten weeks ago, I would have said you're full of completely shit. And I, I brought it up because after we lost to them, I said it, and you were like, I don't agree with you. And I was like, well, that's just my opinion. And I think uh, I I may very well be wrong about that. I don't think Kingsbury's adapted anything since he's got here. So I think you you yeah. you you take the, the the W on that one. My point is, is, there are so many quarterbacks now in the NFL that come in and have good games because the league is designed to make quarterbacks thrive. And when you have played 14 games in the NFL and we're sitting here like saying, well, thank God he had a good second half. Like you're, you're a bust. Yeah. There's no other way for me to describe it. We're, we overanalyze guys like, like even Tua who just started like 15, like 20 minutes ago, right? Like Tua Tagovailoa has had, Tua Tagovailoa in four starts has had more moments than Dwayne Haskins has had in however many starts he's had so far over two. And, and Tua's has bad games. Like he, it's not like he's setting a rolling fire. Right. But, but at least he has moments. He still has more moments than Haskins ever did right now. Again, Tua was a, uh, uh, another one I'll say, blue in the face of Tua was three inches taller. He would have been the number one overall pick in the draft over Joe Burrow, but it's just, you know, every, and the injury history, which is obviously admittedly very, very um, suspect, but um, yeah. Awesome. And, and again, Speaking of quarterbacks, Herbert's so good. I mean, Herbert's a fucking animal. Like, and like, I, I think, and I, we've said this also, it's like, it, that's just a testament to how stupid many college coaches are because it's like, because let's not get it twisted. Anthony Lynn's a really, 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 really bad coach. And Herbert balling out like this is an, is an indictment to basically any rookie quarterback that's flopping. Your point about the NFL being geared towards rookie quarterbacks could not be any more spot on, right? Like we're starting to see so many young quarterbacks into All these kids come in so early on. Out. And like, again, Herbert was considered to be like tartar level raw and look at him. I mean, the guy is fucking Dan Marino. I mean, you know, in circa 1983. Right. And it's like, like, what is this? And, um, yeah, it's a, and to see like, and we, this is what we were saying. I think after the Ravens and the Rams game or whatever, it's like, we're grasping for straws at any hope. Whereas like these guys are dropping 300 and 400, like it's nothing, you know, and we're getting excited about the fact that he, you know, he threw for 220 yards in the last three quarters after he threw for eight in the first quarter, you know, and, yeah. and that has to be like, repeated. We're, we're still seeing the same things from Dwayne as we've always talked about. And maybe his footwork gets a little better with a full off season with, with an NFL coach. Guess what? I know people are going to say, well, he didn't have that this year. He still worked out and, had football people around him all. I mean, did you see the amount of workout videos this dude put on Instagram? He had a designated quarterback coach. He had a designated yeah, quarterback the footwork coach. Are, it's, it's literally still, still the same. So, the whole point with Dwayne, I think he made himself a lot of money today. He's going to play in the league for a long time because someone's always going to pay him because of his talent. And every once in a while, you get this, like, or arm talent, not, like, overall talent. He's got the measurables. He's huge. I mean, he's a big dude. Um and someone's going to put him and be like, hey, just be our backup quarterback. And if we need you, great. And immaturity notwithstanding. The team he, likes him. He continues to say the right things and from all accounts do many of the right things, right? It's not like he's not Jamarcus Russell where like off the field, he's just too busy drinking codeine and Sprite, right? Like he's doing all the right things. And like, again, like the comment they're talking about with the scout team that, like, that Terry was making that the, the commentators brought up, right? I, I just yeah, – that made me laugh. I don't know, and this happens with lots of quarterbacks, this is not just exclusive to Haskins, about the fact, and that's why I keep saying that the, if they could extend the apprenticeship, I don't know if the physicals will ever match the intangibles. And like that's, I think that's where you're yeah, going, right? And that's, that's the question that will forever 
haunt us with him. Another great quarterback now who was under similar circumstances in terms of turmoil was like Jason Campbell, right? Like Campbell was another physically gifted quarterback. He had a great arm. He was mobile. He was athletic. He was a good kid for all intents and purposes, underratedly smart, but like, you know, just a variety of reasons just messed him up. And like, he, 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 he could never get it. I got a good, I got a good Jason Campbell stat for you uh, because it's fresh. It came out today and it's in regards to Haskins. It's from Neil Greenberg. It surprised me. So I've been, I've mentioned this earlier. Like I mentioned this after the Browns game. I think if Jason Campbell is on this team, he'd be a stud. Like a better version of Alex Smith. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Probably doesn't win us a ton of games, but like has the arm to get it down the field every once in a while. And like, I think we're probably, I bet you we have eight wins. Right. Um, But Neil Greenberg just tweeted this out after the game today. And I was like, wow, what a stat. I'm going to find it for you. Uh, Bingo. Got it. Twitter's a wonderful thing when you can find the tweet. Uh, I use the favorites to bookmark all my tweets. And now that I said that, for some reason, can't find Oh, here, got it. So Washington football team quarterbacks, so Redskin quarterbacks, since 2000. Ready? This is per true media sports, expected points added by quarterbacks. Okay. Number one, Cousins. Plus three and a half estimated points added per game. A little surprising, but yeah. like he's easily been the best quarterback we've had in 20 years. RG3 was number two, probably really outweighed by his rookie year. 2012 season. Number three was Campbell, averaging plus two and a half points added per game. That surprised me. And it adds to my thought that like with him, we'd be pretty good. Now, here's the worst. Can't be a podcast without mentioning Tony Banks. Tony he's Banks. Third to, he's, <laughs> he, he's in third third to last at minus 1.8. Number two is Alex Smith at minus two points. Now, granted, he doesn't turn the ball over, so that's the caveat probably. <laughs> Number one in your hearts, Dwayne Haskins. Doubles Alex Smith at minus 4.1. This dude is a... Six and a half point swing. He's the touchdown swing from Campbell. That's nuts. I will say, I will. My only devil's advocate argument will be Campbell's stats may be slightly um, altered by the six and two hip hip hooray start in two thousand eight. Remember the hip hip hooray? He, but we still finished eight and eight. He started all those games. He did. And then obviously the bottom fell out when we hired the bingo caller and the you know the bush of the baker and candlestick maker in two thousand nine. I think it was. It's this. It, it, no, that was was it Spurrier. It's, it's, no, Zorn's second year. Right, right. Um, so we started six and two, and it, when he was a rookie coach, and I was and I was like, "Oh, we're going to Super Bowl." Then we finished eight and eight, and then I think the next year we went four and twelve with Bingo Caller. So we hired Bingo Caller in two thousand eight, or am I thinking of Spurrier? Uh, we hired him in. I would have been in June two thousand two thousand eight uh, two thousand nine. Yeah, so it was Zorn's second year because Zorn was 08 and oh nine. And then yeah. Shanahan came in 2010. Man, fucking Sherman. My, my point is Campbell, who was like, check down Charlie, got a lot of shit here. And he's a touchdown difference of points from Haskins. Campbell's problem was that he went from, because um, he was 05 draft um, with, uh, with Stonehands Rodgers, right? So he yep. went from Don Bro's offense to Al Saunders' offense. He had, he had different offensive coordinators his first five years in the league. 
Yeah, Zorny for two years. I thought Zorn was the OC for at least a couple of years. And then, or maybe we just dumped him after the 07 season and we went with somebody else. Um, but yeah, the short answer is, I mean, Haskins hasn't, although Haskins has had two in two years so far, so we're treading very much in that territory. Um, I don't know. I, 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 my stance continues to be right now that like just let him season on the bench because the best version you're going to get of him, whatever that is, is not by, he's not ready yet. And I know that's a, that's a really, I agree. Um, I just think it's time trade him. I don't even care if it's fifth round pick. And I may be biased and again, ridiculous to compare this guy to another guy, but like maybe biased by the fact with Patrick Mahomes and the fact that he sat for the full year behind Alex Smith. And then he came in and there's a funny aside to that. So Saw it somewhere on Twitter or something like that, but there was a random interview where the um, I think it was NFL Network or Fox or somebody where they interviewed Tyreek Hill, and they were like, they asked Tyreek Hill, that, huh? Yeah, I know. Airplane bottle Tyreek Hill on the sideline, and they asked Tyreek Hill like, "What was your first impression of of Patrick Mahomes when he came to camp?" And he's like, "Honestly, the first time Patrick Mahomes came in training camp as a rookie, I thought he was garbage. I thought he was trash." And he's like, "I can't believe we wasted it." We trade up in first round pick and he goes, you don't understand like one, the year under Alex Smith. And then two, the work he put in, in this off season between his rookie year and his first starting year was absolutely incredible. And he's like, so it's not like Mahomes as great as he is. Uh, it was one of this preternatural talent right off the bat, right? Like it took some things. And I keep going back to this comment that about Mahomes in his second year, Mahomes is like, I still didn't know how to read defenses. I was just kind of winging it. And he's like, I didn't figure out how to read defenses. Red Favre couldn't read defenses until like year 10. Right? And it's like, they just had that level of talent. So it's not like it's going to start clicking right away. They're not Drew Brees and Peyton Manning from the get-go. I just think he still needs more seasoning to get whatever the best version of his. I still question whatever is the best version of him. Yeah, I just – I watched today and I and I thought to myself, this is the kid I wanted you to be, but I know you'll never probably be. And I think it's best for us, I think it's best for him if we just cut ties and move on. Um, I, I just feel like – I went into this game today basically saying, whatever happens, I'll support Dwayne. I will always support whoever has our starting quarterback because I want him to do well and I want us to win. Dwayne, to your point, says the right things. I, I seemingly like him. I like what generally want him to do well. I just I don't think it's gonna happen. I want to end the Haskins thing on that last point that you made in particular. There's this idiotic, and this stems from the world we live in from a political standpoint, right? That if you're not violently pro something, you're violently against something. And I think it's just a ridiculous dichotomy that we live in at the moment. Again, this happens in politics all the time, and I don't want to bring politics into this per se. But it's like, the fact that we're not violently pro Haskins does not make us anti Haskins any stretch of the imagination. I think it just makes us understand that like Haskins may not be the answer. But there's this entire sentiment there like, it's like okay, if he's not great. <laughs> Right. We can say that like, he's just, he's not a good answer. That doesn't mean I hate him. And I mean, dare I say this, like I hate any African-American quarterback because I hate Dwayne Haskins. But like, again, putting that part aside, but it's like, I, I don't, they're like, if you're anti Haskins, how can you call yourself a Redskins fan or a Washington football fan? It's like, dude, I'm not anti Haskins. I'm just skeptical as to whether what he's going to turn out to be. It's okay to not drink the Kool-Aid as much as like take the Kool-Aid and throw it in the trash, you just say like, I don't really particularly care for Kool-Aid. Right. Like it's in, in this I entire, I just don't think he's that good. You to know, your point, it, like I'll always support him. And let's but. say he comes in some weird circumstance happens. God forbid Alex Smith gets hurt again, but like 
you know, he is the starting quarterback of the team next year. Smith is not there. And he turns into Mahomes. No one will be happier. We will be thrilled. That's wonderful. Great. We've solved the question that's plagued us for God knows how many years now. It's just we have I mean, a health. Honestly, it's best case scenario. Every Redskins fan should root for that. Right? And including present company. Like, that's what we're hoping for. We are just very skeptical to, regarding statistical odds of that taking place. And just this entire, if you're not pro Haskins and you're anti-football team, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And like, we need to cut that shit out and just, you know, get your head out of your ass for anyone who looks at things that way. Um, I'll I'll leave, I'll I'll segue over now to the final looking ahead to the two games. So I haven't done ESPN's playoff machine, which is a very handy and great time-wasting tool. Um, But I considering, I don't know what the score is right now in the Giants game. I can can tell you the score and I can also tell you what Kanaki thinks of us. Whatever his name is. I saw him come up on halftime and I got really excited. So it's 20 to three. It's mid fourth quarter right now. So let's just assume that the giants lose. I think this puts us in prime position. If the, we win the next two games, um, I think it's winning in for us. If I'm not mistaken, regardless, if this holds, which it should win and we're in. Right. So it's control your own destiny. I remain, um, I we're said beat the, Panthers. the only alteration to my run the table prediction was any caveat was caveat with anything happening to Alex Smith, which it did. I believe it sounds like Smith is going to be ready to go for next next week. I think even Smith at seventy five to eighty percent of his maximum abilities, whatever they are this season, still enough. As long as he can push off that leg, is all that really cares or all that really matters. I like almost like as stupid as this is the fact that we kind of lost this week because it's going to leave a little bit of the bitter taste in the team's mouth and give Rivera the extra bit of able to kind of kick them in the ass to be like, Hey, one, you know, don't, don't I mean, read you all can... your press clippings. And then to the point that you have said many times, which I could not agree more with, they're going to do it for Ron Rand. Like this is the team oh, that dude. dumped him. They're They're going to do it for him. There's no way they're not. You're right about the loss though. Assuming this game holds, Ron can come in tomorrow or Wednesday, whenever they're allowed to reconvene, and be like, "You guys got lucky. Like you lost. Take it. You also got lucky. So what are you gonna do with that?" Oh, P.S. This team just dumped me. Yeah. And fuck them. <laughs> I, I it, you've used this term many times, but I think if there is ever a game where we're gonna boat race the opponent, it's got to be this one. Just from the sheer emotion. Yeah, our team's that. gonna be fired up. Um. You know, Mike Davis from a running back. Oh, I don't can't remember if Christian McCaffrey's back. I don't know what's the story. He didn't Maybe. play this week. Uh, he was doubtful. He did not play. I am very much hoping he does not play. Uh, uh, McCaffrey is transcendent. Let's just get it twisted. Him and Alvin Kamara are the two best running backs in the NFL, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. Um, but I don't think we're going to get him 100% who? McCaffrey. Who? Alvin Kamara. You don't think Derrick Henry's better now? Oh, sorry. I forgot about Derek Henry. My apologies. Did you see his? Henry. Did you see his stiff arm today? He 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 he, he stiff armed a guy into another universe again. I should have my wife. I was like, you got to see this highlight. What he did to Josh Norman is still criminal. Like they they could arrest him for that. What he did to Norman earlier in the year, which I, I enjoyed. Norman had Norman. Sorry, had so that's coming. the three best. They they are one A, one B, and one C because um they're they're fucking incredible. But like Kamara is still, I think he's amazing. Um, and McCaffrey, when he's healthy in the right context, is that is that level. But anyway, um, I don't think we're going to get that level of McCaffrey, even if he plays against us. Mike Davis has played really, really well in his absence. He's been actually really good. Um, both their receivers, like DJ Moore, quietly has had a really good year. Again, They're both going to have 1,000 yards. And Curtis Samuels played really well. Um, I love Teddy Bridgewater. I am a pro Teddy Bridgewater guy. I do not fear Teddy Bridgewater. I, I am not, He does not worry me in the terms of like any of the – previous offenses 
we've played against does. So I'm very optimistic about this. And um, I am so ready to pound the chutney out of Jalen Hurts. I'm so ready. That's the one I'm circling. I have a lot of Eagles fans who I need to make sure I rub, you know, I, 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 I need to uh, rub this into. He'll have, he'll have some tape at that point. So yeah. we'll see what happens. So the scenarios, I think, Dallas winning today was kind of under the weeds a good thing, I think. Dallas winning today was such a good thing. They've, out of yeah. an eight, eight, eight or nine player draft, they're moving themselves out of position of that. Love it. That was a yeah. completely Peric victory. Um, so I'm assuming, oh man, this is a scary assumption because stranger things have happened. I'm assuming the Browns are going to win this game. That means we're up one, with, we're up one game of the Giants and one and a half over the Eagles going into next week. If we win, the Eagles are eliminated. I think I'm doing all this off the top of my head, but I am 93%. I'm 93% sure this is all right. Uh, we win, the Eagles are eliminated. They're not playing for anything week 17. If we win and the Giants lose, and the Giants, mind you, are at Baltimore, uh, they probably do not win that game. Uh, so they're at Baltimore. We win and they're out because all of a sudden we have a two game lead with only one to go. There is a world. I think if Dallas wins, we would still not technically. No, we if we win and the Giants lose, I think we clinch. I think. Do we clinch uh, next week? Yeah, there's only two games left. Yeah, but I figured it would be, even then it would still be in week 17. That's insane. I did see a tweet that says the NFC East can't be captured until week 17. So I'm, there's probably some sort of scenario where I'm wrong. Um, but like. For all intents and purposes, a win next week, and we're probably looking at like a 90% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, because that means we're playing the Eagles eliminated week 17. Um, but if we win and the Giants lose, I think we clinch. I think. I now, I mean, I'm not doubting if it. We, if we lose and the Giants win, we're fucked. Because that means we're tied, but they have the tiebreaker. Right. And the reason I think Dallas winning was low-key a good thing is they played Dallas Week 17. So we kind of want Dallas playing for something. And Dallas plays the Eagles next week. Oh, wow. That's so shit. So are we rooting for Dallas two straight weeks? I never root for Dallas, but... For playoff purposes... Does it yeah. help the team? Does it? For, uh, you'll no, notice how I phrase this. From a playoff perspective, does it help the Washington football team if Dallas wins? I have always been of the philosophy that there is never a world where Dallas wins is a good thing, even if it helps the football team, because we shouldn't find ourselves in those circumstances. So I'm not saying root form. I'm saying, does it specifically help the team? I'm being very political right now. <laughs> it would. No. I mean, it eliminates. It, I want it eliminates da- the I, Eagles. I guess you have an Eagles team that's more mentally checked out if they lose against Dallas because week 17 means effectively nothing to them. I believe we will face a lesser fearsome opponent in week 17. If the Eagles lose in week 17. I do not want to play the Eagles in week 17 without that division clinched or they're eliminated. If they're playing for something week 17, that's bad. It's on the road. I don't fear that offense. I don't fear. I think, and I, I know it's it's like it's my anti hurts bias. It's my anti Philadelphia bias. But what am I supposed to be afraid of? I'm supposed to be afraid of banged up. I'm not Miles saying Sanders. we're afraid of anything. No, no, it's not even that. But it's like to your point about like I'd rather have the division. Like, of course, I'd rather have the division wrapped up. That that just makes oh, yeah. life easier. But like, 
there's nothing about that team where I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really want to tangle with that. Like there's nothing about them. Their offensive supporting cast is trash. They have a mobile quarterback who we have enough athletes, at least on the front four where we can, you know, potentially contain him. Like he's a completely watered down version of Russell Wilson. Like we saw, we were able to do with him today. There's no, nothing good on that defense outside of maybe like Malcolm Jenkins. And I'm like, Oh, and Fletcher Cox is awesome. But like out, outside of those guys where I'm like, Oh, you know, we got to worry about this. Like, I, I, I feel like we'll be able to impose our will relatively easily. By the way, for all my Eagles fans, uh, my cousins who are Eagles fans, your team garbage. And remember how much crap you were talking about early in the season about how our quarterback is a, is a big problem. Eagles are coming to roost. Quarterback. Yeah. They, they trade when it's like $50 million cap or something. Yeah. Your quarterback, like I said, $128 million, million insurance liability. Stick that in your um, pack and smoke it. Yeah. My point is, is like, we're at home against a team we can beat. The Giants are on the road against a really fucking good team. Like, next week is so big to me. It's so big. A, we, it's a must win regardless. But if we do win, it just, like, opens up a world of possibility. And I would love to play the Rams again. Now that it's not Alex Fist's first game since he broke his leg, he's not coming in cold. And they just lost to the fucking Jets. Like, all I'm saying is there's a chance. Yeah. But it all starts with – It all starts with Carolina. Um, I, it all I, starts I, with Carolina. Look, it's, it's – it's, I can't believe we're putting ourselves in this – to say this – make this type of statement, but um, it's actually now we live in a world where if Washington doesn't win these last two games, it's a disappointment. Like, that's where we find ourselves today. 100%. Right? And that's a good world to live in considering where we were six weeks ago or more, right, in that general time frame after the Rams game or the Giants game. If you really want to put on the burgundy and gold shades and like really, really get into it, um, like glass, like all the way full kind of attitude, we just went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the NFC with outer starting running back, a quarterback that generally sucks, that or two starting linebackers. Oh, and by the way, the guy everyone says is kind of the centerpiece to making our defense feared is Everett didn't play. He's on IR. The thumper as uh, Bollinger, or I don't know if it's Mitchell or, or uh, Buttinger that, that calls him the thumper. We were like depleted, um, you know, and we hung in and we almost had a chance. We, I mean, we did have a chance to win the game. My point being is like, as a Skins fan, you have to expect to win our next two games. Yeah. We're going to be favored. We're already two and a half point favorites. And speaking of kickers that should never have got away, God, Graham Gano just fucking out here. Gano's been a good. I just saw that. Gano's been good for them. I hate it. Uh, God, I hate the Giants. But yeah, we can. I'm. I'm pretty sure we can, can clinch next week. I think we'll have to look that up. Anybody who's still listening at this point, kind of feed that back in our this direction. Might be our longest pod ever. It might, might be, but that's okay. There's a lot to dive, dive into, so we'll call it there. Um, thank you again for everyone who's listened. So made it this far into the podcast as always i'm trying to dump more stuff on youtube so subscribe to us and leave us some feedback there and some of our videos and stuff and check out some of the multimedia we've been dropping on the hail to district there's Twitter no channel. There's no we involved you're doing all that yeah it's fine just being politically correct but um until then tune in next time and thank you for all the love we've been getting on the podcast numbers they're going up good to see keep spreading the word and um, thank you smally yeah thank you and if there's any random listeners to you guys outside in uh in columbus ohio shout out to you because you're the real mvp and thank you for help pumping our numbers up whoever you are um 
uh, you're, 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 <laughs> someone listening in Columbus, Ohio. And they're pumping those numbers up really high. So I'm a big fan. I don't know who you are, but a uh, shout out to you, man. And if you have want to email us um, or like drop us a DM or something on our Twitter account, I'll shoot you a gift card for the thank you. Cause you know what? Wow. Enjoy the love. That will come from Roger, not me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.